I'm spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on Autism Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as The Brain Broad. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited, as I always, always am. Well, occasionally I'm not. Like when I'm sleeping, I'm not very excited when I'm sleeping, unless I'm having a fantastic dream. And that dream might even be about flying free, independent, and strong. Hey, wait, is that the purpose of the show today, independence? Yes, it is. Okay, so that's what we're going to hone in on. The question is, How, if you are dependent upon others to help you or upon technology to help you, how do you become independent? Is it important to be independent? What's the definition of independent? Let's just play and have some fun and maybe dig on that a little bit and figure out what works for you all and what works for me and what works for our guests because our guest is awesome. But before I tell you about our guest, I want to remind you to stay to the very, very end of the show where we will have stories from to put it all together and make it all make sense, even though sometimes it looks like I won't be able to do it. I pull it off every time. I promise, I promise, I promise. Okay, and one more thing to mention. After the next guest, and before Stories from the Road, we're going to have, okay, 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 the great guest giveaway. And our great guest giveaway is related to a very, very famous human being. So famous, long dead. So I'll let you think on that and figure out, you know, who could she be talking about? Um, For about two seconds, one, two, you're done, because now I need your attention. Nikki Zimmerman is the Out of Step founder, and we are going to chat with her. Now, what is Out of Step? Um, Well, Out of Step, actually, I'm going to let her tell you about that. Let me tell you about her. So she created this new tool to help people with disabilities achieve greater economic independence. Okay, so there's a definition of independence for us. We're talking about economics in this moment. Out of Step is inspired by her late daughter, Riley, who never let her disability stop her from reaching further. Nikki's solution uses modern technology to offer people with disabilities new opportunities to employ their strengths. Okay, awesome. Everybody's using technology today, and if you're not using it, you're just basically setting yourself up to fail because our world is, is, you know, very technologically connected. The answers are coming now through the Internet. The solutions to non-communication are coming through iPads, all kinds of things. So let's see what her take is on that and what her story is. Oh, by the way, she's also the author of Life with Riley and lives in the Northwest, and maybe if we're really lucky, she'll offer a book. I hope so. I hope so. All right, so let's start by saying hello, Nikki. Hello, Lynette. Thanks for uh, having me on. I'm, uh, I'm pleased to be here. And I'm pleased to have you. I'm really excited. Um, I checked out your site, and I love it. So let's, let's talk a little bit. Um, do you want to start by telling us how it came to be? Well, uh, I'm happy to tell you how it came to be. We, uh, we had a daughter with a disability, and we recognized that she just wasn't able to connect with the rest of the world, especially as it related to jobs. 
and it concerned me. And even though she was young, I felt like starting young was a better way to do it than to wait until she was 21 or older when there wouldn't be as much of a support uh, system for her. And so we we had come up with this concept that she could have a laundry business because she really liked to fold laundry. And as as it developed, she would use all of her um, occupational therapy, speech therapy, physical therapy tools to go out into the world and sell this product. And she had full-time aides with her. And rather no, than wait a minute, I'm I'm sorry. I know she I know she's passed away, but and and sometimes it's difficult to talk about. But I don't know what her disability was, and neither does our audience. So we can't get a picture. Was she in a wheelchair? Was she? Can you share a little bit of who, you know what she was coping with? She had a very rare disease. Only 150 people in the world have it. Uh, it's a microdeletion. Um, she was globally affected, so she had. You know all, all manner of of things that she was medically dealing with, but it did not put her in a wheelchair. But she did have a hard time walking and sustaining uh, the ability to to use use that as a, a, a huge strength. But it didn't keep her in a wheelchair. She um, yeah, she just had a lot of different things she was dealing with, and and really, there's so many. I don't really want to go into all of them. Okay, no, that's point. fine. That's fine. I just but, wanted to say. She is. Uh, she was remarkable, and she was very happy, and she very much was a people person. And she had very few um, words that she could say. And one of the great things about Riley was that she uh, she could say so few words that she saved them, saved those words for people. And so she would rather use people's names and learn those than she would ever want to say something like refrigerator. So she didn't learn words that didn't mean something to her, but she always wanted to learn people's names and try to connect with them because she was a very big heart person. So as it should be, she wanted to connect with her community, and so we set up this uh, idea that she could uh, pick up laundry and take it to the dry cleaners and and the laundromat and have things done there for them and bring them back. But what was really neat about it is that she could go talk to them the neighbors, use those skills she'd been taught, interact with her community, um, use the other skills she'd learned in occupational therapy, if it would be help, you know, typing up a flyer or drawing a picture for her flyer, putting coins in the machine. They were, you know, for some it seems like they were um, simple tasks, but for Riley they were, you know, very difficult to achieve, and once she did it was nice to put them in play into a meaningful way. Hence, we started this little laundry business. And after she passed away last year, it it occurred to me that so many people with um, disabilities could use a service that allowed them to be out there in the world with their ideas and use it as a as a means of making money. Hence, the out of step tool was born. I love that. And first of all, I commend you for being um, willing to be out there and continue to move forward in the world and make a difference. It's um, its easy to just curl up in bed and never come out again. So, well, thank you. It's a, She was a great inspiration, and um, and we're excited. We're excited to see all the people out there doing this. It's just, it's been so fun, I cannot tell you. So it has been a nice way to get through 
Greece and move to other areas that seem important and it are a reflection of her. That's really awesome. I also love that you the way you described how she chose her words. It's so often uh done that we're you know, we're sticking kids in a, a sort of an order of operations where we're saying you have to learn this word and then that'll lead to this word and that'll lead to this word and forgetting to empower them with um their own personality for what's important and actually it's brilliant if you know people's names you can put a smile on almost anyone's face you know so that was brilliant yeah, that's so true <laughs> so true good for her so tell us about the tool please so we created a, a website that would allow people to have a little mini website of their own their own page where they could put up their product or their service and put photos up that went with it. They can put up a PayPal account. They can link back to a website if they want to. They don't have to. Many of our uh, folks don't. They can put a video up. That's very successful. And then we do our best to tell the rest of the world about what they're doing so they can get connected to the people interested in their products and services. And, and it's so empowering. When they do this, they being our members, it's just so neat to hear some of the stories back about gosh I was I've been you know wondering what purpose I had and now all of a sudden I feel like I have something I am connected to I feel like I can uh, do more than what I had been offered Uh, we just get these great emails back in in just empowerment on the empowerment level but equally we get back thank you so much my SEO search engine optimization is up we Really appreciate you getting the word out about us because, you know, we're starting to phones are ringing and it's, um, it's working. So people are interested, people want to support, and we are a, you know, a good tool for showing that and, and seeing the outcome. So here's why I was so excited to hear about this and, and to find you. I So I go, I don't know how much you know about me. I'll just tell you. I go around the world, you know, I'm international, and I go into people's homes, and I work with their children or adults or whoever the primary client is. I get whole families on board, and we do a whole program using neurofeedback and play and, and the environment and all kinds of stuff, um, but primarily neurofeedback and play. And one of the things that I'm sometimes fortunate enough to be is the head of the program sort of saying, now do this and now do that. And my big thing um, is always to create a a way for the person to become independent and have a, have a business of their own or get working, you know, for someone else. But usually, since it's primarily uh, people with disabilities, they tend to do better, especially autistic type people tend to do better um, running their own business. And so to find, like, I have a bunch of little, you know, areas around the world where I've got kids and adults doing these little businesses, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, a place for them. So you'll probably get some of these guys. Oh, um, I hope so. Cause it's it's just, yeah. The power of many are so much more powerful than the few. And so when we have especially a group of one type of um, product or service, if it comes under arts and crafts or whatnot, the better we can do promoting them all. So it's just great to have new members come on. And it's just people – just love to see what they're doing. It's just inspiring. It inspiring does so it was one much. of those political correct things people don't like now. 
Whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not very politically correct. It's okay. <laughs> I'm about saying what's real. Um, so here's the thing. When I, in my experience, so I raised a bunch of kids, and, and in every case with the boys, I was always looking for, I adopted kids that were autistic and stuff, and so I was always looking for what can they do? How can they be independent? Because I firmly believe that if you're, you know, even if it's like my one son who fills shampoo bottles and delivers newspapers in the middle of the night, I mean, his, his world is different because he's independent. He can, you know, invite people over or not in his apartment. He can, you know, he plans his day. He stays busy with his day and, and his world without somebody else telling him what to do and what not to do. And so I am such a... Uh, such a believer in independence. I've seen my kids really soar because I pushed for that. And so for you to have created this place for everyone to come together and and share their products and share their services is just beautiful to me. I mean I can't I can't say enough about it. Well thank you. I, I we are it is just it's just tremendous working with people all around the United States. We even have people who've uh tried to reach us from other parts of the world, and we're just not quite ready to reach out beyond you know, the borders of the United States, but obviously we've hit a chord, and so we're excited to offer that. Yeah, well, let me know when you do, because most of my people are uh, that would apply right now are like France and England and, and Lebanon and stuff, so um, as soon as you're ready for that, let me know, okay? Definitely. Um, so tell me, was your daughter's... Uh, was her disability uh, something where you knew that she was going to have a shortened lifespan? Or no, was she was that... one of the oldest uh, in in that group because it was such a relatively new discovery what they were dealing with. So we didn't really actually know until she was 13. So we didn't have too many people above her at that time that were older. So we were unaware of what was going to take place. But when she became 13, she definitely started in a downward trajectory. And so you know, several years into that, it became more apparent. But that didn't stop us from really getting out there because most people know that when you're sick, the last thing you want to do is just lay around and feel sorry for yourself. It just is, it gets old. And so she um, she still wanted to participate right up until the end. And we gave her as much opportunity. And we were the cleanest household anywhere with all our laundry was done all the time. And it was put away perfectly. And it was... It was a <laughs> it was a great great service she gave to our family for sure. I just have to commend you on that. I mean, it takes it's not just your daughter, but yourself. You would have had to shore yourself up over and over and over again to say, you know, give value to the present. And um, actually, I have my next book coming out is about that, and I'd like to send it to you um, when it's ready for free because I think it'll be a nice gift. Um, whether you want it or not. <laughs> yes, that would be nice. Thank you. Yeah, it's about a girl I worked with who was in a similar situation, and I'd, I'd like to share it with you. Um, right. Thank in, you. Yeah, and in the interim, you have a book. Tell us about that. So my book is called A Life with Riley, and it's uh, basically our journey through the first 13 years of what, trying to discover what was going on and trying to figure out how to be within society and the the you know, pros and cons of of being out there, new to disability, trying to cope. But Riley was very sick, so we were always in, you know, doctors and and tried 
you know, everything we could under the sun to try to help her from, you know, traveling to healers to just whatever we thought, you know, desperate act would, would help. And, uh, that, that's what the story is about is the links basically you'll go to, to, to help your child. That's awesome. So, um, and we all can relate to that. And so it's really important sometimes to hear someone else's story so that you can get out of your own and come back into your own and and feel better and appreciate and get ideas from someone else's thoughts and experiences. So um, would you be willing to offer one of those books? Sure. Oh, that's so awesome. Awesome. Okay, so people, if you want to get just one, one person only, because really everyone else should buy this book because they could probably use the support. So just one person put um, out of step because that will help me to remember who's who and what's what, and it will help you to remember what to Google later when you're wanting to find this website. So put out of step in the subject line and email me at mom, M-O-M, number four, evermore, at juno, J-U-N-O, dot com. Not Gmail, Juno, like Juno, uh, the movie. Okay, um, so is there anything that you would like to share with people and, and tell them how to find you and all of that stuff? Sure. Well, first of all, our website is www.outofsteps.com, and we've kept it simple. Our email is info at outofsteps.com. Dot com. And so those are the two best ways to reach us. Uh, we have a Facebook page, um, LinkedIn, Twitter. We have all of those things. So if anybody wants to contact us through those means, we're thrilled to, to reach out in any way possible. And to just thank the community at large for supporting us because we have just had a tremendous outpouring of, of good, positive energy towards what we're doing. And we're just grateful. It's just been fun so i appreciate it that's awesome um can you do me a favor and tell them how to check out your book um my book uh is on amazon and pay for it (laughs) (laughs) thank you it's on amazon and that is uh obviously through their website but it's a life with riley by nikki zimmerman and it's easily found there and it's in um digital and paperback well, I'm, I must say I'm just most impressed. I'm impressed by your energy to continue to move forward. And, and I often wonder if my last autistic boy stopped being autistic, if I just quit the whole population and say, phew, time to be self-centered and move on and buy nice clothes. Or if I'd continue, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, I bet you wouldn't, given what you do. I'm sure that wouldn't be what the task you know, the track you would take. But, uh, you know, there's nothing like trying to help. And I think that most people who do find, you know, that it's more comforting than not. I think actually, you know, it's easier to be happy when you're in service to others. So I agree. So um, thank you for being in service to others. I'm going to pass this show to my people that I'm working with internationally to keep an eye on you and when they're able to possibly be a part of your project here because I think it's gorgeous. Um, Just to give you a sense of what they're doing, I've got one who's got art, another one who does T-shirts, another one who tries to sell muffins on the Internet. I'm not sure how fresh they are. (laughs) Maybe the rest. But it's doable. Everything's doable, for sure. Yeah, 
Yeah, everything's doable. No, it's 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 really really cool. So, um, I have another one who who says, well, how about if I just talk to people who aren't good at talking yet, and I can help them. <laughs> so, you know, so, who knows? Yeah, I think you should, I I like it. I think you can work with that. I think that there's plenty to be had with just your interests. And uh, actually, that's one of the reasons we created the site. We think that you can do everything from have a we have really sophisticated. Uh, companies to people who sell really simplistic things and they're both valuable. It's just exciting. Good. Well, I'm excited for you and thank you for sharing and uh, I'll let you thank know you. if somebody grabs a hold of that book. Nikki Zimmerman from Out of Step. Have a fabulous day. You too. Thanks a lot. Bye. And that was Nikki Zimmerman with Out of Step. Hooray, we're having such a fantastic day, and I hope you have been guessing and guessing and guessing, but still paying attention to Nikki um, to figure out who my next guest is, because it's kind of, I think it's a really neat idea, so I'm pretty thrilled. But before I tell you about my next guest, remember to stay to the very end of the show where we will have stories from the road and a lot of fun. So this is a new spin on Autism Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad. Next guest up is, okay, 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 the great guest giveaway. And her name is Deidre Marie Capone. Yes. Did you guess it? I know you didn't. I know you didn't. I know you didn't guess Al Capone's granddaughter. Okay, check this out. It's Deidre Marie Capone. She's the granddaughter of Ralph Capone. He's named public enemy number three by the Chicago Crime Commission in 1930, making her, oh, I'm sorry, she's not the granddaughter of Al Capone. She's the grandniece of public enemy number one, Al Capone. Okay, all right, so check this out. I was thinking, who should I have on my show that would be super interesting for everyone? Their ears would perk up, but at the same time, different. Because, you know, I like to be different, because this is a new spin on autism answers, not an old spin on autism regurgitating what everybody else talks about. So we're talking about independence, and I thought, holy cow, if you grew up a Capone, you would have a label. Now, it's a different label than what we contend with, but I am positive that it shattered her existence and caused all kinds of happenings. So what a cool way to approach the concept of how do you deal with having a label? How do you become independent of your label? How do you make friends with your label? How do you use your label to your benefit, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, with the idea being that at some point you realize you can embrace yourself and be independent. Let's find out if Deidre managed it. Hi, Deidre. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Lynette. I'm enjoying this very much. And I pronounce my name Deirdre. Oh, thank you so much. So let me fix that. Deirdre Marie Capone. All right. So I might even leave all that in because that's so fun. If you don't mind, I'm just going to leave no. you fixing your name. No? Okay. I won't. Okay. No, no, no. You can leave it in. Good. Oh, look at us. We're friends already. Okay, so I have to tell you people, by the way, Deirdre, the, one of the reasons I'm connected to her is because she uh, met my daughter at a conference. And so my daughter was in need of help for her, grand, for her, my grandson, her son. She was in need of help for his homework. So she said, you know, oh, you're trying to do something about, you know, notorious people. Why don't I see, I know Al Capone's grandniece. Maybe I can see if she will talk to you. So 
Deirdre's so awesome. She's completely been useful and helpful and answered all kinds of questions. And um, my grandson has written a poem, and I will share it with you at the end. So thank you so much for being such a generous person. We really appreciate it. Well, I have four children of my own. I have three in-law children. I have 14 grandchildren and one granddaughter-in-law. Children are precious, and they are our future. And anything that I can ever do to educate, enlighten, or, you know, just, you know, commend, you know, I will do that for a child at a drop of a hat. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Well, we really appreciate that you did, and we feel the same way on this show. And by the way, I've stuck you in the okay, 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 great guest giveaway portion because I'm hoping you'll offer your book. Um, just think on that for a second. All right, so so let's let's start with the the idea of what it was to grow up uh, a Capone. Well, remember, I was born in 1940, so that makes me 73 today. Um, back then, you know, you didn't have you had more privacy than than you do today, but you also lived in smaller neighborhoods. So I, you know, hid who I was. When my father put me into elementary school, and I went to a Catholic school, my father was Ralph Gabriel Capone. So he was the firstborn of the new generation of Capones after they immigrated to America. So all the hope and dreams of being an American rested on his shoulders. And he he was a lawyer, but the Chicago Bar Association would not allow him to practice because he was a Capone. So it was very difficult for him, and he knew it was going to be difficult for me. So when he put me into school, he he enrolled me in school as Deirdre Gabriel, not Deirdre Capone. So everybody, everybody knew me there, you know, in first and second grade as Deirdre Gabriel. Well, Al Capone died on my seventh birthday. That was January 25th, 1947. And my family needed something joyous to look forward to. He was only 48 at the time that he died. Way, way too young. So Catholics make their first communion when they're in second grade, and they usually well, we always back then did it on Mother's Day. And so the whole family wanted to do something special for Al's mother and his wife because that would be the first Mother's Day that he was not with them. So the entire Capone family came and watched me as I made my first communion. They outfitted me. My grandma had my dress handmade for me. Al's mother was my grandma. And they all came and they watched me. And then we all went back to the Capone home for a big family picnic after the ceremony. Well, in those days, they had local editions of the big Chicago papers. And on Monday, they would print the local news in your community. You know, what the Mother's Day Club did and the bowling team and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So on Monday after... The, uh, the local edition of the Chicago Tribune and the Chicago American printed a story that, you know, the children at St. Philip near High School made their first communion on Sunday. 
and Deirdre Capone with the entire Capone family in attendance made hers. Well, when Al died on, in January of 1947, all the newspapers all over the world printed all the alleged things that he, you know, was supposed to have done. 99.9% of them are not true. But, you know, so my classmates' parents were being educated for the first time in their lives as to this person, this Chicago person by the name of Al Capone, because when in the 20s, you know, they were little, they, you know, they, were, they weren't paying attention. So when this, you know, story came out, well, how many Deirdres do you think were in the city of Chicago in 1947, right. let alone this little class of mine? And so two weeks after this, you know, we made our first communion, two weeks later, um, after this article came out, every every boy and every girl in my second grade class was invited to this girl's birthday party, but not me. If I had a birthday party and, and gave out invitations, no one would come. I went to that same school through 12 years of my education, and none of those boys or those girls would have anything to do with me. You know, I can understand it. I'm I'm a parent, you know, and I'm sure they thought that if their children came to visit me, there'd be guys with guns and you know, all kinds of things. So I understand it, but it hurt. It hurt terribly to right. be, you know, who who everybody labeled me, and they, they said that I was something that I really wasn't. Yeah, I'm sure it did hurt. You know, it's an it's an interesting thing. It's a much more um it's a unique story because not everyone's related to Al Capone. But it's not a unique story in that, you know, if you have uh someone who's well, since this is autism show, we'll talk autism, you might have an autistic child at home and um somebody's you know, people have read that autistic people do the same behavior over and over, that they're violent sometimes, that they throw their feces around and so now you're afraid to send your child over because you don't know what'll happen. It's right. not that you hate that person, it's not that you don't want to be kind and loving, but your first priority, as you said, is to your child. Um so how do we get past this whole label fear? Um, you started by lying about your label, which is is another thing that we often do. So, how did your how did it go for you? Like, how did you come to terms well, with see, it? Well, see, I all? did lie about it, and a whole bunch of other things happened to me. But another big thing that happened is is when I got out of school, I my first job was in the city of Chicago, down in downtown, for a big insurance company. And after you were there six months, you got a chance to get a free life insurance policy. So they gave me the application, and of course, like all legal paperwork that I had to do in my life, it had to be made out in your legal name. So I had to put down, you know, Deirdre Capone. And about two weeks after I filled out the application, my boss called me into his office. And, you know, he sat me down and he says, what is your name? And I thought, oh, I, I don't like what's going to happen. And I said, Deirdre Gabriel. And he says, no, what is your real name? And I said, Deirdre Capone. He said, are you any relation to Al Capone? And I said, yes, 
he was my uncle. And he says, I'm sorry, you cannot work here. You're fired. Now, I can understand that as an adult, too, because this was 1958, and that was the time that the Chicago outfit was starting to launder their money, and they were investing it in um, restaurants, they were investing it in car dealerships and insurance companies. And so the board of directors of this big insurance company couldn't take a risk that their investors would think that it was mob money that started this, so they had to let me go. But it was just one more thing that just kept dragging me back. You know, I kept trying to show the person who I really am, and it I just couldn't. So in 1972, my husband had an opportunity to start a new business up in Minnesota. So we packed up our family and we went up to Minnesota. No one up there knew who I was, and my wings literally spread. You know, nobody told me, oh, you can't do that, you're a Capone. No, we don't want you here, you're a Capone. I never heard that up there. So I did amazing things. And then I didn't even tell my children their heritage until we were up in Minnesota. And then they're the ones that encouraged me to write because my two youngest boys were back in their birth city, Chicago, to get their their undergraduate and their graduate degrees at Northwestern University and the University of Chicago. And that was when that first movie, The Untouchables, came out. And that put a, an ugly face on the whole Prohibition era. And, of course, all over Chicago, there were derogatory signs about Ralph Capone because my grandfather was Al's business partner. So everything about Ralph Capone and Al Capone. And my boys would come home and say, Mom, you know, you've got to tell them that we're not monsters because that DNA is in their body. So that started me. You know, you just you get to a point living this life where you have to say, this is who I am, you know, the good and the bad. This is who I am. And so right now I'm trying to tell interested people the truth about Al Capone, Ralph Capone, and the entire Capone family. And there's no one else on this earth that can do that. There's not another person. So that's why I I work as tirelessly as I do, and I'm willing to tell my story just about any place that I can. Well, you know, your story is really valuable. It's really important sometimes to to separate yourself from your own story to hear a new way of thinking. So I'm kind of using you for that, if I hope you don't mind. But by the fact that it's Al Capone, people are like, oh, I've seen the movies, I've this, I've that, and they put on a different kind of listening hat. Mm-hmm. And it, but it's still, there's so many parallels I can't even tell you. Like, for example, my sons, a couple of them uh, went from being, you know, very disabled in school and autistic and became very independent and successful. One's in the National Guard, a helicopter mechanic. Another one's, you know, bought his own house and truck and had his job forever and ever and been independent since he was 19. And they hid, hid, hid who they were. Mm-hmm. And it's only been recently because enough distance came between their past and their present that they've 
started to realize hiding who they were is making it hard for them to have relationships with, you know, future wives and things because they're they're uncomfortable whenever their past comes up. And they've just started to go, you know, I have to make a cohesive picture about this. I have to speak out. I have to, you know, they've let me do YouTube, um, different things. And now I think because they've accepted who they are, they can become truly who they want to be. And that's kind of similar. It is. um, There's still biases out there. And one of the things for my, in my case, is I would like to change the glasses that people wear in the present to understand the past. They think they know what was happening in the past, but they don't. They judge everything by what's happening right now in the world. Um, In the 20s, there was honor among thieves. In the 20s, no one wanted prohibition. Prohibition was started by a small group of people who, because of the Germans in the First World War, when the First World War ended in 1918, the Germans were coming to America bringing their their uh, beer-making, wine-making, and spirit-making talents with them. And because of the publicity that the people in America got in, you know, from 1913 to 1918 about the horrors of the Germans and what they were doing to our men, you know, over there, they just hated the Germans. So they didn't want the Germans to have successful businesses in America. That's why they did prohibition. They did the same thing up in Canada. They prohibited alcohol because they didn't want the Germans up there to be successful. So, I mean, there's, you know, there's hate going on. There's, um, and then, you know, they, they make up things. You know, my uncle was quoted one time as saying if a black cat had white kittens, they'd blame me for it. You know, and that's, exactly what they started doing he became a scapegoat and there's a number of reasons why and so they started more labels near you use the word labeling they really put a lot of labels attached to the capone name i can't remove them Um, i can't whitewash anything i won't even try but if i can just educate and say and so people understand that it really wasn't this bloodthirsty, bloodletting, you know, era of our time. It wasn't anything like that. And the fact is it's actually important because if you educate people to the fact that they've been misinformed, you actually educate them to the fact that the media can misinform. And it's something that we hear all the time, but we need to continually hear because they still make up things. Now they can do it with fancy editing and all kinds of nonsense and Photoshopping. And, but making up things um, and, and slandering people is huge, and it's a really big problem. Um, you must be doing a good job because my grandson, who you were helping, Um, I don't know if you know this, but his story is that when he was uh, five months old or so, we noticed his his autism. He wouldn't make eye contact, all kinds of things, vomiting and couldn't sleep and, you know, just yada, 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 the list goes on. And so he's done really, really well. Nobody can see anything 
on him anymore, no signs of his label, although he does have some social stress. And he wrote uh, a long poem after, uh, after talking with you. I'm just going to read this teeny part because it matches what we were just talking about. He goes, who am I? An author, a poet, a book, or even a misunderstood, notorious crook? Al Capone was misunderstood. The people sought for his evil. Not good. Al Capone was accounted bad and remembered for the bad times he's had. But if you got to know him, you'd see he's not all, not all bad, or good, or happy, or sad. If anything, knowing more would make you glad. Now, it's not the best poem in the world, but it's lovely. It is And he's, he's captured what we're talking about. And here he is, this young guy who used to be autistic, who's now fully, you know, off the spectrum and, nor- and mainstreamed in school and, and doing great. And he's come around to you and discovered that the world misinforms. Now, for literal thinkers who take everything as real, who think the minute it's written or shown on YouTube or shown on, on TV, it means it's true, that was a great lesson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, and that's what I, if I can be responsible for anything other than, you know, telling the truth about my family, I would like to bring truth and I would like to bring ethics back into daily living. You and me both. Man, I would die a very happy person. And I am working toward it. I, I was raised, your word is your bond and family is everything. That's how the Capones raised me. As I told you, I have four children, three in-law children, 14 grandchildren, and one granddaughter-in-law. And you could ask any of them. They have never known me to tell a lie. I don't lie. And I wish That's everybody That's a beautiful lie. thing to be able to say, but I can't say it, okay? I can't. Because <laughs> then I'd be lying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I might not tell you something because I won't lie, but that's that, I just don't I don't lie. I don't know how people that are habitual liars can keep their story straight. Oh no, my PTSD is coming. I was a habitual liar as a child, and all the kids circled around me and said, "You're lying. You said this. You said that." I had such a trauma. I, I oh. went on. I went to like Liars Anonymous. I will never lie again. I will never lie again. I will never lie again. So I'm a reformed liar. So I know you're right. You can't keep your story straight. It makes your head spin, and then everyone circles around you in grade school. Oh my goodness, it was terrible. <laughs> Wow. Well, well, I commend you well, for that. You're, We're gonna... doing a, you're doing a great job. I applaud you for you. what you're doing to help, you know, a very special community, you know, know what to do. Thank you. I, I'm, I'm doing, I'm giving it my best shot. Um, I, I do, I do want to ask you to tell us a little about your book, and would you be willing to offer one up? I would be happy to. You can uh, have one a giveaway then just um, get back to me with the name of the person, and I will personally autograph it to them and then put it in the mail. So I, I need their, their – either I'll send it to you and you send it to them or whatever works. But, yes, Beautiful. I wrote the book, and I called it Uncle Al Capone, The Untold Story from Inside His Family. Um, and, again, it was at the urging of my children – 
and I, I'm a cancer survivor, and I never, you never know when God is going to call you home. And so if, if I didn't get this information out there, there's literally no one else on earth that can do it. And so it would have never been told. Now I'm starting to see that I'm, I'm quieting down some of these. There's, there's a group of people out there, and I've coined a, a name for them. And I call them gangsterologists. They think <laughs> I love that. Yeah, gangsterologists. <clears throat> they think that they know more about, about my family than I do. And they, they post pictures and say, ah, we got the goods on Al Capone. There he is with Mayor Bill Thompson. And I looked at the picture. That wasn't Al Capone. It was my grandfather, Ralph. I asked <laughs> him to please, you know, print, you know, uh, a re- retraction. He, oh, I think it's Al Capone, so I won't retract it. I said, don't you know what you're doing to the future of our generations? They're going to think that that's right. You know, so... I'm, writing, I'm working on another book right now, and this book will be filled with pictures and magazine stories and, you know, authors, um, other authors, what they have said about my family. And I'm just going to say this is what was said, and this is the real truth. So, you know, the future, you know, your, your grandson in the future or your great-grandson or daughter in the future doing some research will see my side of things too and then maybe they can reach the right truth well that's awesome so people if you want to read the truth about al capone then please email me at mom number four evermore at juno.com and put al capone in the subject line then you pick a winner of the book well the first person to email is going to get it and then i'll let you know so just first come first serve Okay. <laughs> no, okay. no went into it. It's about who runs to their to their email fastest. Okay. Um, is there um, is there anything that you want to say at this last juncture to people that you think might uh, might improve their lives a little bit? Yeah, um, the greatest speech ever given by any human being in the world was only seven words long, and it was never. Never, never, never give up. Oh, my God, that's beautiful. All right. How do they contact you if they or check you out, or is there a website, anything you want website to share? website is com. all kinds of videos and, and pictures that have never been seen before. And they can email me directly from that website, and it's Deirdre at UncleAlCapone.com. As you know, because your daughter can testify to it, I answer all my emails. And if you know somebody wants some information from me, I am more than happy to share it. Well, thank you so much, and never, You're welcome, Linda. never, never, never give up. You got it. I love kid. it. <laughs> all, right. all right. And that was Deirdre Marie Capone. What an interesting um, adventure into the past. I'm so excited. I hope someone grabs their book. Oh, maybe I'll use an alias and grab it myself. Um, I had a thought while we were talking that we are very blessed nowadays because we have the opportunity to live our lives as if it's going to be on YouTube at any moment, and it may. So 
why is that good? Well, in some ways it's horrible. You know, you see the situations like with poor Miley Cyrus where everybody's like going, oh, shame on her, shame on her, and she doesn't get to be, you know, a young adult or a teenager in public because, you know, we all fall apart and do stupid things we wish we hadn't during that phase, and hers is on camera. And, you know, we've, we were always able to avoid that as regular folk. It was only the celebrities that dealt with that kind of notoriety. But nowadays, uh, you actually can end up notorious on YouTube uh, just because you did a funny dance at some, you know, street corner one day with, uh, you were inspired by winning the lottery, whatever. So, uh, you know, we have to live our lives as if we could be exposed at any, at the, at any moment. And why is that good? Well, it's good because it gives you the opportunity to be yourself from the get-go. Part of my son's problems and, and Deirdre's problem was that period of nobody knows who I really am. So you're kind of hiding who you really are. But if you're yourself from the get-go all the time, evolving and being and, and accepting your lot and everybody knows who you really are, and your, your reach is wider because you now have the Internet to, to resource friends and connections, you can actually draw to you the crowd of acceptance, the people who will, who will take you as you are, allow you to grow and encourage that. You can draw those to you because you're being yourself. And the fact is, people are drawn to what you're being. So the kind of people you draw comes from who you are being. And be aware of that. It really is true. Um, I actually learned it from... Oh, what's the name of that singer? Can't tell you. Can't tell you. It was so. I'm gonna leave. Edit that out. Okay. So it is time for stories from the road. Given our wonderful show today and our very courageous guests who have wonderful things to do for the world, I think I want to read you um, the beginning of my book that's coming out April 2nd. And the reason is it reflects our, um, our earlier guest, and it's the story of a girl that I worked with. I just want to give you a sense of it because I think it's something that, um, it's a story that I really want to share, and I'd like to share it with you now um, by reading it. So I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I will read the opening. A 10-year-old girl so sweet and so kind, had a body that lied about her mind. It made her seem void of feelings and thoughts. She couldn't control it. She just could not. She lay in a bed or sat in a chair, and Mom moved her about, braided her hair. Yet despite the fact that reason was inert, her heart beat strong for her family's hurt. She wanted to help them achieve their dreams that her body heal, though it didn't seem possible. So she thought and she thought and she thought and she thought, but her thoughts didn't matter, for she couldn't talk. Fact, she couldn't do more than move her right hand an inch or two upon command. Liquid went into a tummy tube, a crippled girl's version of yummy food. To pass her pee, to make a poo, there were tubes and bags with lots to do. 
Well, even her spit was sucked away with a special vacuum many times each day. If no one did this or wasn't fast, then on her own fluids, she would, after a gag and a gasp, drown. As her wheelchair grabbed her with braces and belts stuck in place, it would be too late for help. Her siblings loved rambunctious games and wanted her to enjoy the same, so they dragged her down upon the ground, tummy on pillow, head hangled down. Her saliva drained out onto the floor and her cheek got wet. Her spit smelled sour. They laughed and danced and jumped around and their feet whizzed by. She breathed in their sound. Then deep amidst that chaotic flurry, the pleasure gained from all the hurry ended. Her little sister, small and sweet, had stepped on her shin with tiny feet. Because reason had such skinny bones, it broke in half and made her moan. It was the only sound her chest could do, so she did it often. Thus, no one knew. For five long nights, she moaned and cried from tearless eyes that beseeched with pride. When Mum noticed the swollen leg, her jutting shin, her face that begged, she screeched a screech, You cannot play when your sisters run off the floor, you stay alone. Thus Reason spent another year or two sitting and laying in her pee and poo. I'm going to stop there, but I am going to tell you that it's a book worth reading. It's a story worth knowing. This beautiful girl... This beautiful, wonderful girl is on my testimonial page. Her mother's letter after she passed is there, her letter of appreciation. So if you want to know about beautiful reason, otherwise known as Sarah, um, please go to my testimonial page and read her mother's words. So that's at brainbody.net, Sarah's page. And the reason I'm ending it this way is because I want you to know there's always a reason to stay in the present and try, whether you're going to live or whether you're going to die. It doesn't matter. The important moment is the one in your hand. Stay with us. Come back again. Always remember, I'm here for you. We're here for each other. We are a community. This is a new spin on autism answers. Today, the question I believe we answered is, is it worth going after independence, even if the independence you get will be some weirdly shaped thing, even if the road is hard, even if you've got a label? And the answer is yes, a resounding huge yes. Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad, thank you for being here, because without you, I would just be talking to Thank you for joining the show today. Lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times hilarious new book, Miracles Are Made, A Real-Life Guide to Autism. You can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers. You can also click through to her Facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives. We'll see you soon for another edition of A New Spin on Autism. Answers. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. I can't hear you.